Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Essentials, Foundations of Christianity. Now, here's a premise statement. If you have repented of your sin and you've truly turned from sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that God is now in us and the scripture says that God is now for us. Through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, the scripture says, even in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send the Paracletos, which is the Holy Spirit. The hope of glory is that we've got God in us. But also, it's good to know that God is for us. Now, when you think about the word forgiveness, you can't live in forgiveness if you haven't received the God for you statement. Once you understand God is for me, I can receive his forgiveness and I can extend his forgiveness to other people. Now, if you're like me and you start looking back over your life, there's plenty of reasons why God shouldn't be for you today. There's so much sin and junk in our life that if there was ever, if there was ever any one person on this planet that shouldn't be for me, it would be Jesus, him being perfect. It's like, you've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You've all messed it up. Every person under my voice, you've done plenty that he shouldn't be for you. But because of the sacrificial love and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the Bible says in Romans 8.31, memorize Romans 8.31, memorize Romans 8. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. There's no separation for those in Christ. He closes and he goes, if God is for you, who can be against you? One of the things about forgiveness is you walk in it and wallow in it is that grace inspires forgiveness. Last week we talked about grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Grace, unmerited favor, undeserved favor. It's God extending to you what you never could deserve, what you never could earn. And grace inspires forgiveness. And God didn't extend forgiveness to you so that you would become a recipient and you would become a stagnant pond. God extended forgiveness to you so that he could extend forgiveness through you so that you would be a flowing stream. Now, all of us here love the thought process and concept that God would be gracious and kind and merciful enough to extend forgiveness to me. But a lot of us struggle with the concept that God wants us to forgive other people. And you will not live in freedom if you don't get this forgiveness concept down. Meaning, understanding what it means to receive it and what it means to release it. God wants you to bless others. He wants you to care for others. He wants you to encourage others. Who? Every person that calls himself a child of God. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 says this, freely you received, freely you give. How did you receive God's grace? How did you receive God's salvation? It was a free gift from God. Freely I received it. How do you Release it freely. Freely means I don't have to make the other person pay for it. It's freely. Now wrap your minds around this. A little true and false for you as we get rolling. 
I want you to answer these with me. You should not forgive a person until they ask for it, true or false. Forgiveness means I must minimize the offense and the, and the pain. Forgiveness requires restoring trust and reuniting in the relationship. You haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten. Now, these are all kind of cliches that you've heard people use in the South, and they quote them like they're quoting Proverbs, but they're all lies from hell. And I want to unpackage some of the lies that we've been taught that for a lot of people have hindered you in receiving the love and trust and blessings of God. I do. I, I want you to get this. And no matter who you are and where you're at today, you've either had to work through some deep-seated forgiveness already or you're in the process even walking here today where God is saying, you got to release this because uh, you're, you're bitter and this stuff is killing you and it's ended up creating a lot of chaos in your life and conflict in others. So I want to unpackage this. Biblical perspective regarding forgiveness. Four thoughts I want to share. One, forgiveness is not conditional. The Bible says that authentic, genuine forgiveness is unconditional. It's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. It's not something you can buy. It's offered even if it's not asked for. Wrap your minds around it. Forgiveness is offered even if it's not asked for. How do you conclude that, Tim? Because Messiah Jesus is hanging on the cross celebrating Easter, resurrection, and Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Not one of them has said, hey, Jesus, would you please as we crucify, only one kind of hinted to it, and it was the crucified crook next to him that said, hey, remember me. And he goes, today you'll be with me in paradise. So one of the fundamental things you've got to know is that forgiveness is offered even if it's not asked for, but it's unconditional. I receive his forgiveness not because of anything I did, but because of everything he did, he extended it. How did you receive it? Freely. How did you get it? Freely. What were the conditions? What did you have to do to earn it? People will say that oftentimes. Well, you're going to have to earn my forgiveness. Oh, when did you become a small G God? What kind of worldview have you bought into? We can't earn his, and we can't force anybody to earn ours. What's the standard? Forgiveness is a tricky thing. It's a hard thing. Number two, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. It's not saying, well, it's no big deal. It didn't hurt. There was not that much pain. Don't worry about it. The truth is, if it's worth forgiving, it hurt. There was a violation. There was a puncture. There was a wound. If it's worth forgiving, it hurts you. So don't minimize the offense and don't minimize what the offender did in the hurt. That hurt. That crushed me. I'm not going to say, oh, don't worry about it. No, I want you to freaking worry about it because I've been worrying about it because it hurt me. Anybody been there? No, it hurt. Forgiveness is saying that hurt, but I'm willing to let it go and I'm willing to let God deal with it. That hurt, oh, that wound was deep. I'll unpackage some of that in a bit. Whenever you minimize a wrong, you cheapen forgiveness. 
I would write that down. Anytime you minimize it, you cheapen what forgiveness is. I got to release it. I'm going to give it to the Lord. Three, forgiveness does not guarantee that there's going to be a relationship going forward into the future. It doesn't mean it. Forgiveness is not the same thing as restoration. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Forgiveness does not mean that we're going to move into the future and everything is going to be okay. Forgiveness is somewhat immediate between me and God. But trust, it takes forever for some people to rebuild and establish trust again. When trust has been violated, God hasn't called you just to say, it's all right, come on back in, I trust you right away. Because what ends up happening, a lot of us have been violated multiple times by the same person because there was no boundaries in place. And we created a codependent enabling relationship with the perpetrator or violator. And we were doing it because we were taught, well, you just got to forgive and forget. That's not going to happen. Forgiveness takes care of the damage done to you. That's a transaction between you and God. But trust, that's a whole different thing. It doesn't guarantee it. So when I forgive and I release a wrong that's been done to me, what I'm doing is I'm making this vertical transaction between me and God. That's the first part. But the part on the other person's, uh, their part in regards to what steps do they need to take, there's at least three, probably four or five that you probably need to, to crawl through. One would be this. I forgive you. That's something I'm, I'm doing. I'm giving myself the gift. I'm receiving the gift. And I'm willing to forgive you. I'm letting you, I'm letting you go to God. But if we're going to move toward healing and restoration, there better be repentance. Repentance means you've got to show that you really have changed your source of where you're finding love, acceptance, worth, security, significance. And I'm talking about for a long period of time, there's got to be repentance, which means godly sorrow, based on Corinthians, leads to a repentance without regret. Listen to me, listen to me. Have they shown true biblical God-style repentance? First step. I'm sorry. I didn't ask you if you were sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to know, did you repent? Because we're not going to go to step two if there's no repentance. Number two, there's got to be restitution. You dog somebody, you wrong somebody, pay them back. Zacchaeus got this in Luke chapter 19, where Jesus says, Zacchaeus, look, I know you, you're climbing up here, you little short dude. Come here, come here. I know you're wanting to see who I am, but I'm wanting, to you, I'm wanting you to know who I am. I'm going to hang out at your crib tonight. We're chilling. We're going to break some bread, and you and I are going to sit down and talk. And Zacchaeus was like, if I've wronged anybody, I'm willing to pay it back like five times or whatever he said. Ten, I'm, I'm willing to pay back who I've wronged. One of the signs of a true broken, repentant person is they're willing to make restitution. I, I, I wronged you. Society says, file chapter 11 and move on into the future. That's not biblical. If you, file chapter, uh, if you had to file bankruptcy because of hard times, then you should be doing everything you can to pay back the people that you owed. That's biblical. I promise you, it is. When you have wronged a person, you got, you got to take care of it. If you come to me and say, hey, man, I need 20, and I've longed you 20, you come back a second time, and I know you're hurting, 
I'm like, it's over. I'm not loaning you any more money. I might give you, but I ain't loaning because every time I loan, I want to hit you upside your stinking head because you're lying to me. Make it right. Put boundaries in place. The third one is it takes time to rebuild trust. Is there repentance? Is there restitution? Are you making the healthy strides toward uh, paying a person, uh, paying them back and getting things right again? Forgiveness is somewhat immediate between you and God. But just because a person comes to you and they're crying their stinking eyes out, and I'm so sorry, can I move back in? No! Grab a stinking tent. You ain't moving back in. You've wronged me. You cheated on me. You violated me. You can live somewhere else. If you really mean it, you're going to do everything necessary to get this relationship right. Well, can I sleep in the basement? Maybe. I promise you over the 28 plus years that Barb and I have been married, in the 33 plus years of walking with Jesus, in the 28 plus years of marriage, of counseling with other people, I've seen guys and gals alike jack it up, come back crying because they're broke as a joke and don't have anywhere to lay their head, and all of a sudden, they play the sad old story. Well, I guess I'm going I'm to let him on back in. And then two months later, raising all sorts of hell. And they're like, well, I, I thought he was changed. No, he was hungry and didn't have nowhere to sleep. Just because a dude is hungry and ain't got nowhere to sleep don't mean you open the door. Are you that callous, Cash? No. Love is doing that which is most redemptive for the other person. You ain't loving them, letting them back in. Love always has boundaries. Come on. Forgiveness is based on grace. I'm willing to extend forgiveness, but trust, we're going to have to work it out a little bit. Trust has to be rebuilt. I want to trust you. That's my heart. I want, I want to trust you. But you're going, to have to, you're going to have to kind of repeat the right thinking and the right behavior for a period of time. Forgiveness, true forgiveness, is not forgetting what happened. You've been told, and I was told growing up, the little cute cliche, Jeff, you just got to forgive and. You can't. You can't forget. I don't want to forget. Even when David talked about his own sin before God, Psalm 51, one of my buddies is reading through Psalm 51 right now, going through it. When David said in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite heart. The word contrite, contrition, means the ability to remember the pain of your sin without going back and replaying the video. He goes, I don't want to forget it. I want to have the ability to remember what pain it caused in my life, my pain before God, and how jacked up it was. Well, just forget it. Let's move on. I don't want to forget. I want to be able to remember with a sanctified kind of ability to remember going. You remember what you're capable of doing apart from Christ? Yes. You remember the pain that was in your life? You remember the pain it caused others? You remember the pain in your separation with God? Yes. Paul would write that in uh, Philippians 3 where he said, uh, you know, remembering not uh, what's behind me, but reaching forth 
The word he uses for remembering not what's behind, it means I will no longer be influenced or defined by it. Didn't mean he had suffered mental amnesia. It meant I'm not going to be defined any longer by my failure. I'm going to be defined by his forgiveness. So, to me, there's something a lot more powerful, and you would probably be wise to write this down. There's something a lot more powerful than forgetting. It's remembering, but not reliving. It's remembering, but seeing God work in it anyway. It's remembering, but seeing how God brought something good out of the wreckage and mess. See, there's something more effective than just forget it. No, I want to remember, but I, I, I saw God work. I saw God's healing. I saw God's redemptive work in my life and the other person's life. Now, for me, for me personally, authentic forgiveness, I'm going to hit you with four things here for you. Authentic forgiveness is remembering, back to the remembering, how much I've been forgiven and it's remembering how much grace God has extended to me. Do you need it? Yes. Daily? Yes. Who needs forgiveness? Every person. Now, I've been in church all my life, and I just ain't ever raised that much hell. Well, you still miss the mark. Sorry. You need forgiveness as bad as anybody else does. Okay? God didn't forgive us based on how extreme our sin was. God forgave us based on sin. You sinned. You need it? Need it. Are you promoting raising hell so that grace may abound more freely? Paul would say in Romans 6, shall we continue in sin and, and really party even heavier so that God's grace may be dumped out even more? And he goes, no, don't, don't do that. Ephesians chapter 4, great chapter on how to live out the, the life and how to live out the faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. A lot of stuff like here's how you should live. Here's how you redeem the time. Here's some things you need to focus on. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. As you receive the kindness and compassion of God, be kind and compassionate to others. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other, Yes. Just as Christ forgave you, just as God in Jesus Christ has forgiven you, you receive it, you release it. Remember his forgiveness? Yes. Then you be kind. You be compassionate. There's boundaries. You're not coming back in. There's consequences to sin. My love for you is not on trial. Your sin is what's put you behind the eight ball. I love you. Don't guilt trip me because you've jacked it up so royally. Forgiveness is not the issue here. It's trust. I, I know where I've come from. I know what mama needed. I know what daddy needed. I know. But you're going to have to build some trust. How do you do it? How did you receive this forgiveness? I placed my trust in Jesus, period. It was Jesus plus nothing, period. Did you receive it? Yes. Did you wallow in it? Yes. Did you realize without him you could do nothing that you were lost and destined for destruction? Yes. Here's one of the things I was pondering this week, even being up in Minneapolis, Rochester area. 
Here's one of the thoughts I had. A lot of people that don't feel forgiven don't really want to see others act like they're forgiven. Hear me out on this one. When you, based on whatever your sin, your issue, your pain, your struggle, whatever it's been, sex, alcohol, drugs, adultery, immorality, whatever, you, whatever you've done. When, I was thinking about this because one of my buddies I grew up with was dating a girl in high school. She got pregnant, had an abortion, and then the family moved to Minnesota where I was. I was thinking about as I was going through this this week. And how he beat himself up and he struggled, even after coming to faith in Christ, he beat himself up and struggled with really believing that he was forgiven for that. And, and, and what I saw and what I see in other people is, when you struggle really believing that you're forgiven, you don't want to see others living with too much freedom and forgiveness. Now, I know I jacked it up. And I still feel like I'm supposed to carry this, this weight around with me. You don't want to see the next person over there going, how are they walking so joyful today? You see, it's not really how deep your sin was that was nailed to the cross. Really, it ends up being how much your understanding of his forgiveness and love and redemption is. Like Jesus even said, when they got ticked, when this woman broke her alabaster jar with this costly perfume, what is she doing? We could have sold that and made some big time money off of it. And Jesus said, she and he who has been forgiven much, loves much. Think about it. How much have you been forgiven? So much. Paul called himself in 1 Timothy 1. Paul goes, I am the chief of sinners. A lot of us would do well to view ourselves as the chief of sinners. I talked last week about grace and how we don't rank sin. Here's another thing. I need to remember how much I've been forgiven. Second thing is, I need to release my right to get even to the Lord. Romans chapter 12, never take your own revenge. Leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Don't retaliate. Don't take revenge. Don't go out there and try to do it yourself. Our kids were young. I mean, this was like 1996, the summer of 96, 97, whatever it was. And I was doing these baseball outreaches, this week-long camp up in Toronto where Barb is from. And we had been gone for about 17, 18 days up in Toronto. And we were so fired up to get back that I drove nonstop from Toronto back down to our house where we were living in Dekeeler. I was so happy. Man, I pull in that garage open the garage door and get ready to pull in. It's about 1 o'clock in the morning. I left at about 7 a.m. You know, little kids, man, you're having to stop and do this. And I'm like, whoo, I'm so happy to get home. And you get out of the van and it's like, oh, my Lord, something has happened. The power has gone off and that freezer we have in the garage stuffed full of meat in the middle of July was reeking maggots. I'm like, oh, Lord. 
And the next day, the neighbor came over and said, well, your power got tripped while you were gone. I said, was there a storm? And they're like, no. They're building a house next door to you. And I said, yeah. Well, the dude needed power, and he plugged into your front porch. And I assume your freezer, the garage, and the front porch are on the same circuit. I said, that would be correct. I'm like, are you serious? They plugged in and tripped it. I think that's what happened. So in the name of Jesus, with much <laughs> grace, I walked next door. And I wanted to strangle this dude. They were just good old boys trying to make a dollar. I mean, they're construction workers, right? First three letters, give it away, cons. No, so they're construction workers. My dad was a drywall man. Come on. I grew up sanding sheetrock. So here's the deal. I wanted to strangle the dude. What are you thinking? And I got so ticked off at this dude. I'm like, hmm. And man, it just, it aided me that afternoon and aided me that evening. So he comes over and writes me a check for like 150 bucks to say, here's all I got, man. But hopefully it'll buy some food to put back in your freezer. Who's going to clean it out? Who's going to do this? The next day I get up, I'm still like steaming. I'm boiling, right? And I got to speak at this like college group. There's about 500 people at this thing. And I'm like, all right. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even close to being a good vessel for the Lord. I drive to this venue where I'm going to speak. And I get there probably about 45 minutes before my time to speak. And I'm, as I'm driving, the Holy Spirit's wearing me out. Yeah, you want vengeance, don't you? Yeah, you wanted to take that stinking bat, that bat you've got, that Louisville slugger. You wanted to go upside his head, didn't you? Yes. That's exactly what I wanted to do. You got to let it go. Vengeance is mine. I'm like, I don't want it to be yours. <laughs> and I get to this place, and I'm like, all right, that's the room right there I'm going to speak in. And I walk down the hall and down another hall, and I probably got about 150, 200 feet away from where everybody was starting to gather. And I went into a bathroom, and I shut the stall, and I got on my knees, and I'm like, Lord, I am really bitter. I'm really ticked at this situation here. And I was, I was mad. And I grabbed a Sharpie out of my bag and rolled some toilet paper and wrote what I was ticked about. And I probably was in that bathroom stall for about 15 minutes, and I dropped it in the toilet, and I flushed it. Brought it again. Dropped it in there, and I let it go. And I knew when I got up out of that, shower or out of that uh, bathroom stall. After flushing it, I knew that I had really released it to the Lord. And, and some of y'all need to make some transactions like that. As I wrap this thing up, you'll see two chairs sitting in front of the crosses. There's pens and there's tablets and paper and buckets where you can make a transaction with the Lord. We're going to paint it up as we get there, but vengeance is the Lord. And when God really began to show me, quit trying to retaliate. Quit trying to get even. You don't know how to get even. You don't want to get even. What is even anyway? It doesn't work. Here's a third thought. True, authentic forgiveness is learning to respond with grace. Luke chapter 6, he says, do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that mistreat you. Some of us have probably ripped Luke 6 out of our Bible. Those that hate you, do good to them. 
Those that curse you, bless them. And I've had people ask me over the years, Tim, how do I know if I've truly forgiven a person when you start to speak blessings on them, when you start to ask God to bless them, when you start to extend the compassion of the Lord? Some of y'all have been wronged. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been beat up. Some of you come in here today and it's been hard. I'm not minimizing that. You've heard it said that hurt people hurt people. It's the old cliche. I want to take it a different way with you today. Well, hurt people hurt people. Forgiven people forgive people. Saved people save people. Hurt people hurt people. Bitter people are bitter toward people. But hopeful people offer hope to other people. You don't know how I've been wrong. You know what? Saved people try to save other people. Where are you at? What, what's on your heart right now? 1 Corinthians 13 quoted it pretty much every wedding you'll go to. And it says, love keeps no records of wrongs. Love doesn't have a scoreboard in the living room. What's the score today? You've offended me five times. I've only offended you four. Love doesn't have a scoreboard. Coach, I'm so glad you birdied that hole today. But those two doubles yesterday, I'm keeping up with that. Well, thank you for sending me flowers and speaking kind to me today. But I'm still ticked for what you did last week, last month, last year. If you're using past wrongs as ammunition to fight with today, you need to get some things cleaned up at the cross. And I see that happening so often in marriage conflict. I meet so many people that are modern-day archaeologists. They're digging up crap from 20 years ago. You remember when you did? I don't even know what I had for breakfast. Luke, Sydney, y'all getting ready to head toward this marriage thing. Love does not have a scoreboard. Love washes feet. Love's more about cleansing than fighting. What's the next one? The fourth point is, after you, after you remember how much God's forgiven you, after you release your right to get even, after you can get there and go, I'm going to respond with grace, the fourth thing is you got to do this. You've got to repeat the process. I thought I had forgiven that. You probably did. But I got to repeat the process today. Something happened that ticked me off. Did you forget? Yes. And Satan's going, no, 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 no. No. 
And some of us, we, we, we battle that, right? Deep in our heart, we feel like we've made a spiritual transaction where we have released it, and the enemy is coming saying, no. Peter goes, Jesus, help me with this one. How many times? How many times do you want me to forgive somebody? The number of completion is seven. The, the rabbinical system said maybe three. If, if, as a good rabbi, I need to forgive them three times. Maybe seven would be a good number. How, how many times should I forgive them? I, I mean, maybe seven, right? He goes, infinite. Seventy times. Seven. Peter, love doesn't keep a scoreboard. Love's not wallowing in the wrongs. So, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's a game changer. But, but Tim, you don't understand. They're dead. How do I work through that one? They're dead. I'm talking graveyard dead. Tim, we're divorced. The wrong that that person brought about in my life was devastating. Lied to me, deceived me, ran off with my best friend. What Uh, how you deal with that one? Because I've got a case that's probably unique, right? I hear you. So December of 1989, I come back. I was living in Indiana at that time, single guy. And God, you're talking about a Dallas Willard kind of thought process. God was doing a renovation of my heart. Woo, he was un packaging all this sin and crap in my life that I had carried. And I had a lot of, yeah, I mean, I'd played ball and there was drinking and partying, but just some of the sexual bondage stuff. And I had mistreated girls. I mean, I, I, if love is doing that, which is most redemptive for the, the other person, I think the only time I ever got to a place where I could love was by the time I met Barb because I didn't know what love was. It was about self-gratification. I'm just telling you, it's where I lived. It was wrong. It was sin. And my dad, I came home that Christmas, and he's like, what's God teaching you? You're taking eschatology and apologetics, and you're taking Old Testament and New Testament surveys, and he's teaching me how to walk in freedom of forgiveness, believing I'm clean before him, and that all this junk that I've wallowed in can really be forgiven. That's what he's teaching me, and I got specific with my dad. My mom had gone out to my sister's house, and she had, my sister had a newborn that was only just probably about six or eight weeks old. It was me and old Pop's mare. My dad was 47 years old, telling him, it's what dad, dad, it's what God's doing in me. Man, tears welled up in his eyes. I mean, he started bawling his eyes out, snot started flying. And I said, Dad, what's going on? He goes, son. And this, this was a turning point for my dad. This was the freedom game changer for my dad. I was five years old, son. This dude molested me, sexually violated me. And from the time I was five until right now, I felt dirty. I felt filthy. I felt guilty. I felt like there was something wrong with me. Really, daddy? It's my dad. He was five years old when it happened for 40-something years. 47 years. 
you're dirty, you're filthy, you're, something's wrong with you. And my dad, we started talking through this and we started talking through forgiveness. I saw that dude, son, when I was 25 years old. He was a drywall man. He had his hammer, his hatchet. He goes, I wanted to take that stinking hatchet and buried him between his eyes. I was going to kill that guy. Why didn't you? Why didn't you kill him? More tears, more snot, because I loved your mama. I loved you, and I loved your sister. And I knew I would probably be incarcerated and spend the rest of my life. But I wanted to kill him. Dad had come to faith in October of, I came in October of 85. My dad came to faith in Christ in June of 84. And my dad had to forgive that dude. Had to in his heart. And he released what had happened to the Lord. The rest of my dad's life has been the best of my life since the transaction happened in December of 89. Because he released it to the Lord. Vengeance was the Lord's. Barb was dealing with a girl a few years back. Beautiful girl. Mid-40s and just attractive. And her mom used to say, you're fat, you're ugly, and you're not going to amount to anything. And her mom dies, and the girl gets up, and she looks at the mirror, and all she sees is her mom saying, you're fat, and you're ugly, and you're not going to ever amount to anything. And this girl, like we're going to offer you to do, like tons of people did in the first service, she wrote it out. She wrote out the lie. She wrote out the violation, and she sat there and got on her knees and said, Mom, you lied to me, and I empowered it, and I loved you, but that violated my soul. But Jesus says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I'm going to believe what he says and not what you said because I've been empowering that, and that's led to defeat and damage. But he says I'm beautiful, and he says he was willing to die for me, and he says that I uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one-of-a-kind piece of art. I'm his workmanship. And Mom, I'm going to release you of that, and I'm not going to empower that anymore. I'm moving into the future. And she did. I promise you, she did. I promise you, my daddy did. My daddy did. I mean, that's 30 years ago. 30 years ago when that conversation happened. God loves me. God's proud of me. Now, the only reason somebody sexually molested you is because you deserved it. You, 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 you were no good. That's what you deserve in life. That was the sentence for you. That's a lie from hell. Thank you, Dad, for not killing him. Thanks for being there and raising me. Thanks for... Somehow the Holy Spirit corralled that anger enough that you didn't stick that stinking hatchet in between his eyes. Praise God you didn't do that. I wouldn't have faulted you if you had a. I'm just glad that you didn't. And see, today you come in here and you haven't released that to the Lord. And you, you haven't received his forgiveness because you feel like I'm too dirty, I'm too damaged, I'm too jacked up. And I promise you, if you'll say, I receive it. And if you'll release whatever to the Lord, 
Maybe some of you have been carrying this junk around for a long time. This is one of the biggest pieces, and you're going to have to keep working through it for a while. My buddy Richard, Chet, you know it as well as I do. You've counseled with people for years, brother. My buddy Ronnie, he's in town. We've got people that want to walk with you. Say, hey, man, it's going to to take a little more time to unpackage some of the, the junk. It's okay. We've got people that will do that with you. But if you can release it to the Lord... It'll change you. Stinking dude checked out on us, 18 years old. I had to support the family. Don't care that bitterness. Because bitterness will do more to the vessel in which it is stored than it will to the object on which it is poured. Let it go. Here's my clothes. So I will extend, I will extend grace to others. Because God has extended grace to me and forgiven me. Yes. That's right. I will. I I realize that if I do not receive and release this forgiveness, that the alternative is bitterness, and I don't want to live that way. I got to receive God's forgiveness, Mark. It's, it's time to receive it. It's time to say, God, I got to have it. God, I understand that you command me and you inspire me to do it. I can't do it on my own strength. I, I don't have the power to do it. I got to have your power. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.